Welcome to East Texas News Roundup for the week ending June the 7th, 2019. East Texas News Roundup is a weekly review of the news in five southeast Texas counties covered by Polk County Publishing Company newspapers, including Tyler, Polk, Trinity, San Jacinto, and Houston counties, by the editors of those five newspapers. Polk County Publishing Company manager Kelly Barnes kicks off this week's podcast. Hello, this is Kelly Barnes. Thank you for joining me in a podcast this week. We're going to take a look at the headlines in Livingston from the Polk County Enterprise. And of course, we cover the entire county. I'm looking here that on page 2B, we have um, Leggett ISD graduation ceremonies. There were three graduation ceremonies. And our intern who goes to school in Leggett, Tristan, he sent in these photographs and wrote a story about the kindergarten, junior high, and high school graduation. So congratulations to those students. And you can read all the details and get a copy of the paper for that information. A Slitterbond is advertising regularly in the paper, and it's that time of year. We did give away two sets of tickets to Slitterbond to two lucky people who came by the office and registered to win. So congratulations to those winners. There has been a new hybrid. See, it's a new flower that two Texas superstars merged together. Texas A&M AgriLife Research. It's a hardy, warm season perennial that flowers throughout the seasons. You can read all about that. If you're a gardener, there's something new to plant in your garden. Livingston hires a new volleyball and softball coach. And on page 1B in the paper, I'm sure that was Brian Besh. I'm going to go there. Let's see who it is. The Wright coach. I think her last name is Wright. Yes, Ruth Wright is Livingston High School's girls coordinator, head volleyball and softball coach. She was born and raised in Houston, played college ball at Stephen F. Austin State University and she received a national championship in her sophomore year and looks like she moved to Huntington High School where she coached to three state tournaments and they won state championships in 2008. It looks like she's had a big career and now she is in Livingston. So get by there and meet Coach Wright. She'll be taking care of the Lady Lions coming up this year. The 51st annual Alabama Cushata Powwow was this past weekend and it was a success. There's beautiful photos taken by Albert Trevino on page one. And Valerie Riddell, our news director for Polk County Publishing, has a headline story, County Health Life Expectancy Ratings Show Promise. Her lead, Polk County, is showing signs of improving health outcomes and overall life expectancy, according to the annual study by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Polk County holds a 208 ranking on health outcomes and 230 on length of life out of a possible 244 counties in Texas. So the study examines behaviors like smoking, inactivity, alcohol use, and teen births when making the rankings. And a troubling area is the number of premature deaths in our community. So she goes on. It sounds to me like we still have some work to do to become healthier in Polk County. And those are some things listed. 
Also, Valerie posted a story about a trial still pending for the murder of a postal worker. Marie Youngblood, a Shepherd postal worker, was murdered in May of 2013 when she was ambushed while delivering the mail in the Stevens Creek area in San Jacinto County. James Wayne Ham was arrested two days later and has remained in custody since then. The six-year court battle centers on whether Ham should be executed, not whether he is guilty. So he's been found guilty, and the argument is, should he be executed? And the story goes on from there. Let's see what else we have in the paper. There will be a workshop on June 13 that speaks of the ecosystems and those wishing to learn more about creating vibrant habitats for pollinators, birds, and animals are invited to attend the program on riparian ecosystems. It will be presented by the Piney Woods Lake Chapter of Texas Master Naturalists starting Thursday, June 13th at the Livingston Polk County Chamber of Commerce. It will be brought to you by Dr. Todd Sink. He's an associate professor and fisheries specialist with Texas A&M University, and he's going to give an update on the benefits and tips for riparian ecosystems and management. And if you want more information on that, you can contact the Polk County Chamber of Commerce. They'll be hosting that. Well, guess what's coming up? Father's Day and Owen Furniture is promoting they have recliners on sale. I know a few dads that like recliners and that would be a good thing to get. Um, Don't forget, DebtCog is promoting that you can text 911 in our area. If you need help, you don't have to pick up the phone, just text 911. Chico is advertising an annual meeting on June 11th. Pedigo is actually having Lazy Boy limited savings event, also Father's Day, and it looks like they have free delivery and a free Yeti cup with purchase, and there's details about that. Those are two furniture stores right here in Polk County, and you can spend money for Father and avoid Amazon. Just call one of these local businesses and get Dad fixed up. Oh, this is interesting. I I say that a lot because I get interested about stuff. Naskilla is actually doing a drawing on June 30th to win a Cadillac. That's amazing. It's valued over $100,000. That's more than the cost of a house in some cases. Yes, Patsy agrees. She's walking through here, and she's thinking, I have to get out to Nascilla so that I can register to win a Cadillac. That would be a neat thing to win. And I'm going to look a little bit at Thursday's paper, too. We've talked about a couple of things, but it is time to start getting ready for hurricane preparedness. I don't want to talk about that. When I was a child, I don't remember hurricanes, but I lived in Lufkin. It seems like as an adult, we've had, I mean, hurricane season is like mosquito season and love bug season. We have to kind of dread it every year. Another thing I'm wondering is if this is going to be another rainy year. Just checking to make sure. Every week in the Polk County Enterprise, twice a week, we have an opinion page and you can read letters to the editor. I'm looking at a letter right here from Eric Grimm of Livingston, Texas, and he wrote that he agrees with Babin's gaming legislation being about fairness. So positive or negative on whether you're for or against gaming, this is saying it's not about that. It's about fairness on whether or not they are being treated fairly. So that's interesting. But you can always send in your letters to the editor. They have to be signed. And you have to put a contact phone number, obviously not for print, but so that the editor can call and verify or clarify anything in your letter. But um, I encourage you, too, to send letters to the editor. Every newspaper in our group is 
interested in healthy debate on both sides of any issue. So feel free to do that. Of course, you cannot slander anyone in the process. So be careful about that. State your facts without getting rude. Okay. And the SBCA in Polk County is seeking donations. I think summertime's a a time whenever it gets a little bit worse and they need a little bit more help. So don't forget the animals. It's kind of like a volunteer fire department. We're thankful we have it. And whenever you get an opportunity to donate, you do, because if you ever need them, they come in the middle of the night. Well, the SBCA is kind of the same way. They keep our streets free of animals who are in desperate need. And no, nobody wants to see an animal in desperate need. And thankfully, the SBCA in Livingston takes care of those animals and a donation to them would be a, a very nice gesture. Okay. Texas A&M student identifies unique ancient rhino species. And there is a photo by Dr. Stephen Wallace, the cast of the fossilized remains of Little Guy, they call him, a new species of ancient rhinoceros is on display in East Tennessee State University Museum of Natural History at the Gray Fossil Site. And as a reminder for you small businesses out there that need to get your information to the public, there is an opportunity to reach over 25,000 homes by running in four newspapers for 13 weeks. The cost is only $22 a week and the ad runs in the Penny Saver, the Enterprise, in San Jacinto County and in Trinity County. So if you're interested in that, you can call Pat's at 936-327-4357, extension 1000. Patsy can help you out. I recommend you get the paper. It's full of vacation Bible schools and other events happening this summer. And thank you for listening. Howdy, everybody. Chris Edwards here coming at you, bringing you some news and events, current goings on from the eastern part of the Polk County Publishing Company. And these things I'm going to describe are taken from the pages of this week's edition of the Tyler County Booster. Well, for the most part, let me back up and add a little caveat here. Our lead story this week actually is something that came up on our radar after this week's edition of the Booster had already gone to press. And this is a breaking story, so uh, stay tuned to our Facebook page and also next week's print edition for any developments that might come to light. But the top story is that the priest here, Father Frank Rossi of the Our Lady of the Pines Catholic Church, was put on a temporary administrative leave by the diocese that he works under. On Tuesday, Reverend Curtis Guillory, who leads the diocese that Our Lady of the Pines is under, put out a letter on their website stating the reasons for this. Now, the reason why Father Rossi has been put on leave is that he is part of a criminal investigation right now. And this stems from allegations made going back to 2016 that he was in an inappropriate relationship with a married woman while he was working in Houston under the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Um, At the time, he was the right-hand man to Cardinal Daniel DiNardo, who is over the archdiocese in the region. And the allegation was that Father Rossi was giving this woman, whose name is, hope I'm, I'm pronouncing this correctly, Lara Pontikis, that he was counseling her at the time. And she alleges that he took advantage of that relationship and there was a sexual relationship and, and that they had met several times. Now, none of the information that, that I have or that's been published thus far indicates that this was non-consensual in any way, but the Associated Press published a story about this Tuesday. It's you know a national story right now, and, and of course, anything that deals with clergy members, particularly with the Catholic Church, any allegations of such wrongdoing is 
seems to be automatically a big piece of red meat for, for a lot of people. But the fact of the matter is, Father Rossi, even though he's a subject of an investigation right now, he is entitled to due process like any of us are. And he is a respected member of our community, and he's been in Woodville pastoring Our Lady of the Pines since 2017. And Reverend Guillory, in the letter that he put out, noted that Father Rossi had come to work for this particular parish after he had undergone a rehabilitation program and was assessed by professionals in this program to possess the necessary tools to live a holy priestly life, according to Reverend Guillory's letter. There are some other things that have come to light after the AP story was published. The Archdiocese actually put out a rebuttal to the story and cited the Associated Press for reporting biased and, and untrue things, and particularly misquoting the Cardinal several times or outright fabricating statements that the Cardinal was attributed to making in the story. So far, all we have as far as any information about the investigation is just a statement from Houston police saying that, yes, there is an ongoing investigation, but also Father Rossi's attorney has made a statement saying that he has met with police and he is willing participate in the investigations. Like I said, stay tuned for any developments on this. I'm going to kind of get on my soapbox for a second here. When I caught wind of these allegations of this story, I read the initial AP story, of course, which is titled Reckoning, and I mean, it's still out there for anybody to, to get a gander at if they so desire. This really wasn't up to the AP's standards, usually. It just seemed to me, you know, the AP and Reuters is another one that are, you know, always very solid, uh, very neutral, unbiased sources of reportage. And this just seemed to me that this woman, and again, I'm going to script this pronunciation, I know it, Pontikis, Laura, Laura Pen, Pontikis, it almost read to me like, okay, well, she had a story to sell, and, you know, I just wonder what the writer of the story was thinking. It just, the allegations of it being biased and one-sided do, in my opinion, do uh, merit, do hold water there. So anyways, um, and off the soapbox, so just stay tuned to the booster for any developments on this story. All right, moving on to things that actually did make the print edition this week. Our top story in this week's edition had to do with Warren ISD. They have them alone finalists for the position of superintendent. Uh, last week at their board meeting, they confirmed that Tammy Boyette is it. She is going to lead Warren ISD. And after a 21-day waiting period that's required by a TEA, but Boyette, she's done a lot in education in Texas. She served many districts as an administrator. Mike Patty, who's the assistant superintendent over there, said that, you know, everybody's excited for her to come on board and to do some great things. Congratulations to Warren ISD on uh, hiring Tammy Boyette to be the new superintendent. On another story of recent hires in Tyler County and in the school districts, Coach Raymond Wooder came on board to Chester ISD to lead the Yellow Jacket football program. Now, Coach Wooder, who's originally from Corrigan, has done a lot in the game of football through his life as a player and as a coach. And he's coached European NFL teams. He's coached arena league teams. And most recently, he was hired on at Lamar University in Beaumont to jumpstart the Lamar Cardinals football program, which in 1989... That was the last year that the Cardinals, that Lamar University had football. 
and Coach Woodard came on board in 2008, restart the program, and he was there for seven seasons. And so now he's coaching six-man ball at Chester and got a story in this week's paper about him and some of the things that he hopes to accomplish and also kind of a little insight into the transition of going from coaching traditional 11-man ball at the, at the collegiate or the university level to coaching a six-man high school team. So congratulations to Chester for getting Coach Woodard on board, and here's to a good season, Yellow Jackets. Also in news of Chester Town, this past week at their city council meeting, the city of Chester had voted to give their employees a 5% raise. Good things are happening in Chester. Congratulations. City workers getting a raise, that's always good. Yeah, because the cost of things they never seem to go down. And another note to make, something that's about to come up, is the Woodville Fire Department is hosting its annual fishing tournament. And that's going to be on Saturday, June the 29th at Castles Boykin Park there on Lake Sam Rayburn. And this is the fourth year that they will be doing this. What it is, is it's the Bass Classic, they call it. And there's prizes awarded for the first through third places and also one $200 prize for a big bass. So any interested anglers out there who want to come out and give it their all, and also this goes toward a good cause. The fire department uses the funds that that are raised from this event to help buy new equipment. So it's always in the firefighting game or any emergency services, really. I mean, gear is expensive and going out to house fires or vehicle extractions and any kind of wreck site or whatever, I mean, you put the wear and tear on your equipment pretty quickly. And so there's always the need for equipment purchasing. And and luckily they have this event that's a lot of fun for people and for the whole family and and help for a good cause. So if you're interested in doing this, you can contact Alan Gartner, who is the fire chief of Woodville Fire Department, and he can be reached at 936-334-3534. Or you can contact Robert Butler, who is serving as the tournament director. Now, he can be reached at 409-429-0513. And if you want to pre-register, which is recommended, you can do so by contacting either of those guys. But at the event on June 29th, there will be a registration table set up, and it goes from 515 in the morning until 545, where you can come and register. And the fishing, actually, the tournament starts at 6 a.m. that morning, and you've got weigh-in at 2 p.m., so pretty good uh, morning and afternoon of fishing out there uh, on Rayburn. And the uh, registration fee, before I forget, is $100 for each two-man team, so there's that. Anyhow, I guess that's kind of a wrap of some things that have happened or are happening or will happen in the near future here down Tyler County Way, so... Again, it's great to be with y'all, and and thanks for listening to the East Texas News Roundup. Before I go, I want to leave you with a quote I came across the other day. This is a quote from the great writer Rudyard Kipling, who wrote in a lot of different forms. He's a poet and short story writer, and of course he wrote The Jungle Book and poems like Gunga Din, and he also wrote some journalistic writing and some travel writing and things like that. But anyway, the quote really struck me, and it goes like this. It reads, If history were taught in the form of stories, it would never be forgotten. So there's one for you to think about. And I just, it resonated with me because I am a bit of a armchair historian, I guess you would say, but I'm also a folklorist. And the storytelling thing has always been, I've always had an interest in that aspect of, you know, how stories are exchanged and how the longevity of stories from cultures and, and things. And and I find that statement to be true. And you think about it from the, the vantage point of, uh, 
you know, academic writing, if you've taken, you know, history classes in high school or college, a lot of your writing about history that, that you would read is rather dry and, and doesn't really seem to capture the some of the nuance or the excitement of certain events and things. But you think about if it were told more the vantage point or, or more in the style of, of stories and folk tales and, you know, might be a little more uh, memorable quality there, so. And also, of course, there's that warning about not forgetting one's history, you know, because to quote another great philosopher, George Santayana, history is doomed to repeat itself. So, so yeah. Anyhow, I guess I'll leave you on that note. And again, thank you for listening to the East Texas News Roundup. My name is Chris Edwards, and you guys have a great rest of the week and a safe and fun weekend. And be good to yourselves and to one another. Hello, East Texas. It is your girl, Megan Whitworth here with your latest updates on Houston County. So let's take a look at what's happening here in our neck of the woods in this week's edition of the Houston County Courier. So first on the list is the coverage of the Crockett City Council meeting from Monday and just a brief overview of two items that occurred. So first on the list is Crockett City officials received an unmodified opinion or otherwise known as a clean opinion for their outstanding handling of city finances. During the fiscal year 2018, the announcement was made by Molly Abel, a partner with the firm of Axley and Road, which are certified public accountants. So a clean audit opinion is the highest opinion that the organization can give. So good job to city officials on getting that green check mark. So also during the meeting, Mayor Ianthea Fisher and city admin John Ingerstein called attention to a release that they gave out during the meeting pertaining to the GIS mapping, sorry, GIS asset mapping. GIS stands for Geographic Information System. Starting the week of June 6th, the city of Crockett will begin mapping the sanitary sewer and water utility systems. The mapping will be performed by HR Green Incorporated and will be done by the end of the month. So AR Green will be locating the city's sanctuary, sewer, and water utility infrastructure to, to put into the city's GIS. AR Green will have vehicles on the road near manhole fire hydrants, valves, and mains during the mapping. So it is expected that there will be no road closures and there will be temporary traffic control devices that will be used to maintain roadway safety. So please aware as you're out and about that personal maybe in front yards, backyards, alleyways, and easements to map the city's assets that they will not be doing inspections inside any homes. Explaining why the asset mapping is needed, the release that ARPIT officials gave to us said that this mapping project will allow the city of Crockett to better locate both sanitary and water utilities using high accuracy GPS equipment and to build the city's GIS for future use to help the community. This will assist the city in locating and quantifying all of its assets in order for it to properly plan for the future. So case in point, be patient while you're out there. Be patient if these folks are in your front yards while you're driving driving out and about in the world. So they're doing good stuff for us because let me just say the sanitary and water utilities are so important for us. Anyways, that's another topic for another day. So just there's a lot to this meeting. It is on page 1A. It is our leading story. So definitely check that out. Grapeland City Council also met on Monday. Lots of city council meetings. So Grapeland City government and business leaders have begun efforts that will result in the conversion of the city's economic development corporation to a municipal development district. 
Mayor Ballas Daly, during the meeting, selected a committee to get the ball rolling on the process. The committee was assigned the responsibilities of seeing to financial matters as determined necessary for economic development. They are going to sign documents and establish a larger committee to accomplish transitional issues for a municipal development district in the city. The committee is to remain intact for six months, and that began on June 3rd. So the action taken by the city council members is in follow-up to decision made by Grapeland voters in the city's May 4th election. In that election, the voters decided to pass a measure to convert the city's current economic development construct from an economic development corporation to a municipal development district organization, which reportedly would be less restrictive, more comprehensive, and more flexible. Lots of complicated stuff. You're not paying attention. But basically, it's going to be better for the city, so hopefully that will all work out. So you can read more about those changes on page 1A as well. There's just a lot happening in Houston County and our city businesses with new mayors, new changes. So definitely keep tuned, go to those meetings and check it all out firsthand. So moving on to fun summer stuff. This Saturday, the Forest Service is waiving day use fees for National Get Outdoors Day, which is this Saturday, June 8th, folks, this Saturday. So get out there and go have fun. It's not there. There is no day use fees. So, but there is camping fees will remain intact, but day use fees will be waived at the following recreation areas and trails. So pay attention, write this down if you want to. And the Angelina National Forest, Caney Creek and Townsend, and the Sabine National Forest, Haley's Ferry, Red Hill, East Hamilton, Indian Mounds, Lakeview, Lakeview, and Willow Oak. In Houston County, the Davy Crockett National Forest, the Ratcliffe Lake and Piney Creek Horse Trail, the Sam Houston National Forest is the Cable Bake, Boat Ramp, Scotts Ridge, and Double Lake, Caddo and Lyndon B. Johnson National Grasslands. It includes the Coffee Mill Lake, Black Creek Lake, and East Lake Crockett. Other fee-free days are National Public Lands Day and Veterans Day weekend. In this week's issue, I also did an article that listed about some fun things to do in Houston County this summer because the question is always asked, what is there to do in East Texas? So I tried to round up a few ideas to help you come up with some things to do with your family while school is out. And one of these ideas was the Grapeland Safari in Grapeland, Texas, which is open seven days a week right now. And last Friday, I got to go out there with with Tracy. He's one of the owners. And we were able, he took me all about the land to go visit the animals, kangaroos, zebras, camels, emus, just lots of different animals. And we were able, I was able to go out there and take some photos. And guys, it is fun. I like, well, I mean, it might not be fun for everybody if you don't like animals but who doesn't love animals it was almost like a spiritual experience going out there and just being like face to face with a kangaroo and camels are aggressive so just keep that note if you go out there and you thought in in this week's issue on page 2a there is a list of more events that will be happening in houston county this summer and definitely always check our calendar that runs each week for more for more ideas to do with your family or your friends or relatives who are coming to town because there is definitely a lot here in East Texas. So definitely check that out. All right, people, that is just some of the items in this week's edition of The Courier. You'll want to pick it up and read all about it because there's a lot more. And just a reminder, our single copy newspapers did get a cost raise of a quarter to now 75 cents. So make sure to keep that in mind when you go to the newsstands. All right, folks, lots going on. The weather changes every day uh, and there's just a lot going on. As always, make sure to stay tuned 
tuned on our Facebook at HC Courier. And our website is hccourier.com. Until next time, I will see you guys later. Bye. Well, hello, everyone. This is Jacob McAdams, the editor of the San Jacinto News Times, and I am bringing you all of our news from May 26th to June 1st. So we had a few events going on. In fact, we actually had quite a bit going on last week. Starting out, we had May 27th, of course, was Memorial Day. And uh, Memorial Day in San Jacinto County, typically you get the American Legion, Post 629. They do a presentation on the San Jacinto County Courthouse steps. And, of course, this year was no different. We had Dale Everett, who is not only a member of Post 629, he's also San Jacinto County's Veterans Service Officer. And he did a presentation on a local resident who is a, a fallen veteran. That is Major William McMurray. And Major McMurray fought in World War II and lost his life during what is called the Salween Campaign. And that is a campaign, it gets its name from a river in China, but it was a campaign where the United States forces were helping out China when they were under attack by the Japanese forces. And unfortunately, uh, Major McMurray lost his life in that. But Dale also talked about Major McMurray's family history. Uh, his father was a former county judge. Actually does tie into Sanderson County's history pretty well because Judge McMurray, who was also named William, he's one of the main people responsible for the construction of the current courthouse. Uh, during his time as judge, the previous courthouse, which was originally located near where the Old Town Jail Museum is currently, or at least it's located near that area, I should say, that courthouse unfortunately had burned to the ground. Unfortunately, they actually had their records kept safe in a vault. Uh, Dale Everett said it was either concrete or brick, but thankfully the records didn't burn. They were able to resist all of that. But the other thing that happened that uh, year is Galveston experienced a hurricane. And despite how far away Galveston is from that area, Sanderson County did experience some of the effects of it. And they got 19 inches of rain, which pushed for the idea of keeping the courthouse on higher ground, which is why the current courthouse is located where it is today. Members of the the McMurray family were there. They talked a little bit about their father, or I should say uh, one of them did, and it was actually one of his daughters. And the sad thing about Major McMurray is one of his daughters was actually born during the war, and he never got to meet her, unfortunately. Never got to hold her, nothing like that. And so it proves to be an emotional thing for this family to not, you know, these daughters to never, you know, some of them have not gotten to know their father. This one was Barbara Wilde. She did speak on her father's behalf, talked a little bit about the experience noted that many of the Chinese shown respect to him. He was actually initially buried near a Chinese village before his remains were moved to Sanderson County. But the Chinese had a lot of respect for the men who gave their lives in that campaign. They've done a documentary on it, and they've just done a lot to show respect for it. Uh, other things we have had happen last week. On June 1st, which was Saturday, our Cold Spring Oakhurst High School class of 2019 graduated. So we want to say congratulations to those kids and wish them good luck in the next big step of their lives. It'll be a great adventure for them. And you know, just again, congratulations to those uh, boys and girls. I believe they had somewhere north of 110 students graduate. Uh, not quite as many as Shepard, but still a good number. And we also had this interesting event called Neighbors in Recovery. 
And this event happened on Thursday, and this involved the American Red Cross and the, I believe it's called the One Star Organization. But anyway, they put together this event. They brought people from different organizations together, and it's a combined group called the Disaster Leadership Team. And what they did is they talked to people from Sanderson County, Polk County, Liberty County, I believe, as well as Walker County was invited. And what they were doing is, in light of some of the recent disasters in our areas, we have had flooding in the past few years. We've had flooding events, and we've also, of course, had Hurricane Harvey. So the idea behind Neighbors in Recovery is to talk to people about long-term recovery options. What can these counties do? What can our political bodies do to not only recover, but also be prepared? You know, just every step you can take. You know, in case in point, one of them is, you know, if you're part of a government body, like like Sanderson County, you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of any grants that might be available. And so they had different people talking. They had uh, members of the American Red Cross. They had FEMA was there. They had some a group from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Office, I believe it was. Uh, they, they were affiliated with A&M. I forget exactly what the capacity is, but just different organizations coming together, sharing their stories, talking about some of the disasters that have happened and how in the wake of those disasters, we learn to be more prepared in the future so that those things don't happen again. So if you want to find out more information about this group, the Disaster Leadership Team, you can go online at www.dlt.org and it's going to have some of their information there. You can also find out some of their personal stories and whatnot. Uh, One of them actually had a very interesting story. She survived the wildfires that were raging here some years back in Texas. We also had another interesting item. Those of you who live in Shepherd may have noticed that the Community and Children's Impact Center had some work going on that same day on Thursday, which again is uh, May 30th. They have two new buildings out there. Uh, The buildings were acquired in an auction. They originally belonged to Galena Park ISD. And the Impact Center's Executive Director, Brenda Myers, she's hoping to turn those buildings into some expansions for the Impact Center. One of them is she's wanting to use to be a food pantry. Now, of course, if you're familiar with the Shepherd area, you know, of course, we have Helping Hands Food Pantry. And we also have the truck, the food truck that comes from the Houston Food Bank. Those two are pretty prominent in that area. But there's still a need for food, according to Brenda Myers. And so she wants to help address that need and bring in another avenue to help out the local citizen. The other building that she has, she's hoping to use that for after school programs for kids. And she basically is just wanting to, you know, just give the youth something to do, you know, let them come here. And she hasn't really expressed what kind of activities they're going to do yet, but we'll, we'll find out more once these buildings are officially set up. Uh, she's hoping to get them set up by the beginning of July, especially the food pantry, I believe primarily for sure, wants to get that one set up by July. But she just really getting these all together. Uh, she wants to do some other things. She wants to build a canopy and have some picnic tables out there. She said she wants to build an amphitheater, but more and more stuff that Brenda Myers has been wanting to do. She's just been, it feels like she's just getting closer and closer to how she has envisioned the impact center. So that pretty much covers it for the news in our area. We do have a couple more stories we'll be talking about in our next podcast. So stay tuned for that one and I will see y'all next time. In Trinity County this week, there is a feature on the VFW Post 6899, which is located in the city of Trinity, and they provide emergency shelter in the events of natural disasters such as hurricanes or tornadoes, as well as other emergency situations. There are also photos of the Trinity High School graduation, the Trinity High School Top 10 Award Ceremony, and the Groveton Top 10 Award Ceremony. The Trinity Memorial Hospital District swore in 
five incumbents to their reelected seats. Those incumbents are Secretary Margie Polvino and Directors Charlie Gardner, Michelle Medlock, Jerry Russ, and Cheryl Spearman. The Trinity Memorial Hospital District Board consists of nine members. And last but not least, Groveton ISD swore in five trustees who were reelected after running unopposed. Those trustees are Jason Dew, Steve Eckord, Benny McLean, Charessa Ray, and Joey Rowe.